Now, Dave Kaufman hosts The Kaufman Show with Dave Kaufman, but also Jay Farrar. The Kaufman Show, only on TSN 690. That's right. It's how you start a radio show off proper. Welcome one and all to the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. Dave Kaufman and Jay Farrar joining us in studio tonight. CJD's James Foster. Hello, sir. Hello. And, uh... I'm super stoked and, to be and here. And I'm happy to have you here, I oh, gotta say. Thanks, man. It's nice. James does the board on my show on CJAD, and it's- uh, Doesn't answer calls, though. No, no, no. 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 He's got he's a guy got, for that. He's got a lackey for that, yeah. an intern for that. Yeah. I, got, I had that tonight, but- I don't know about every. <laughs> not, other usually, no. yeah, not usually. Not <laughs> usually. Well, that explains why you don't pick up the phone. Then we've had so much trouble getting callers in the last little <laughs> while. But no, it's nice to have you on the same side of the glass, and uh, you get to appreciate how the hard work that Jimmy has to do. Yeah. Oh, trust me, Jimmy and I know how how hard Jimmy works. A board ops life, man. Uh, so 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 solidarity. Oh, for I sure. Would I'll be right there uh, tomorrow during yeah. off the cuff. I'll be uh, I'll be mining the board. At a go, Jay. Yeah. See, I wasn't so off when I when I said you, yeah. you man the board. Well, you know. Know how lazy Campbell is, right? I mean, he doesn't wow. do anything at this station. We know Sean's listening. Hi, yeah. Sean. <laughs> Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. I like you, Sean. Yeah. I guess I was going to be on the board tomorrow, but probably not anymore. <laughs> now you're just done. Exactly. Yeah. On a side note, if you're looking for a better term, technical producer. Technical producer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Instead yeah. of random board op guy that yeah. you were thrown out earlier. <laughs> the man who pushes the button. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. I. I still have a lot of work to do to yeah. learn how to do this radio thing properly. Yeah, not all can of us I can say. be hosts. Yeah. Know? No, no. Have our own names on the yeah. on the header of the show. Yeah. Some of us are just footnotes. Man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> not all of us are a footnote. So what the hell just happened? We, we, we played my <laughs> What happens my is you brought song. Foster in. That's what happened. Yeah. I did, and now it's two against one, eh? Solidarity, man. Yeah. Wow, he's, all right. He's part of the board op family now. <laughs> well, James Foster, thanks so much for joining us tonight. <laughs> It's it was been a great. pleasure. Uh, James, we were talking in the hour in Game Night OT. We, we basically just spent an hour talking about Patrick Waugh. And, of course, Patrick returns with the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow. He gave a St. Patrick's Day press conference at the Bell Center today. And uh, we'll keep that coming. We'll, 
well, if you guys want to call in and talk about your Patrick Waugh memories, it's uh, I've got a warm, fuzzy feeling right now from this. It's bringing me back to being a kid and making me quite happy. What's your favorite Patrick Waugh memory, James? Uh, well, as we were saying, uh, one of my fondest Patrick Waugh memories, I'm sure everybody in the city, the the last game here in Montreal. Um, my brother had tickets for that one, so I, I kind of enjoyed watching him get mad because uh, my uncle got married that night, and so he had to give up his tickets to that game. And I, I, I enjoyed him just at the reception going, I can't believe I'm not at this game. I can't I can't so, believe I'm not so there. On on two levels, you enjoyed the suffering of two individuals that Fantastic. night. Fantastic. Or three, maybe. It was. In it was amazing. In entire city, you, you embraced the chaos. Yeah, because uh, I, I don't make it a secret. I'm not necessarily the biggest Canadians fan. I'm, mm. I've been a, a diehard Oilers fan pretty much since the day I was born. Wow. And I know. Crazy that. And my dad, not an Oilers fan either. Well, no, that doesn't surprise me. You're a kid who grew up in the 80s you're uh, how old are you uh 29 oh you're younger than me no i am surprised because if you were i'm 33 i feel like if you were 35 or 36 then you grew up watching gretzky in his prime yeah it hasn't been a, a good last no oh 28 years for the oilers no, so that's yeah, good on you much, yeah, good on you for sticking with them <laughs> uh but no uh, i was never uh, a gretzky kid i was always a messier kid okay so you have memories of the uh, the fogged out stanley cup final against the bruins yeah 89. well that that's Billy the thing Ranford. Yeah. Uh, you know, my two favorite teams in the league are the Oilers and the Bruins. Oh, and get out what, of my one of studio, my, one of One of my first Stanley Cup memories is watching the Oilers and the Bruins go at it in, uh, in 90 there. I know so. you for two months now, and I've <laughs> just found out that you're a Bruins fan, and oh... Boy, did I, just go sour. I, sh- I should wear my Bruins uh, sweater. You really no, no, shouldn't. No, no, no. Don't you do really that. really shouldn't. That's not necessary. I, I, have a, like a, I have a Bruins one exactly like my own. But why one. would you want to provoke people like that? It's it's fun. <laughs> can you, we could we be surprised invoke... how many Bruins fans there are in this city? Oh, it's I know they crazy. exist. I know they exist. They are everywhere. And when you wear a Bruins shirt out there, the the closet Bruins fans come out. They're like, "Hey, man, nice shirt." See, I get it. Like in, in Ganawage, I get it. Yeah, and I totally respect that. There's a there are a ton of Bruins fans in Ganawage, and I, and you won't find me ever saying boo about that. That makes sense to me. I I was a big fan. But of you, wor- I worked I worked in Ganawage for two years, so it was. Fun. <laughs> they charge him with sedition or something for this? Well, like the uh, like the Pakistani yeah, kids, like Kashmir, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah that's okay. right. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of kids were cheering for Pakistan in an India game and um, an India Pakistan cricket match in India, and the Pakist the Indians that were cheering for Pakistan were arrested for sedition. Yeah. So uh, watch it, kid. <laughs> in this town we're not far off believe me and on the same note and i'm happy that we uh, we transitioned over to this i would consider it an act of sedition to be wearing anything other than an expos hat or jersey at the olympic stadium in a couple of weeks and i understand that there are two teams playing one are the uh, the nye mets apu's favorite squadron and the other one are the blue jays dave bedini's favorite squadron doesn't mean anything to me you should be there supporting montreal baseball that's what this exercise is about and i want to see 90% of that place wearing Expo stuff. I've noticed and I've I've talked to some people from Toronto, especially last weekend when the Leafs were in town, mm-hmm. and uh, they were talking to me, and a lot of them are going to come down to watch the game here in Montreal. That's cool. And and every single one of them that I, that I spoke to said, yes, they'll be wearing Blue Jays gear, but they'll be wearing Expo's gear as well. Okay, good. So okay. that's great. We can, you know? we can accept that. Yeah, a couple of guys told me that they both have Expo's caps, but they'll be wearing their Blue Jays jersey or the opposite. So I think I think that's great that even got people from Toronto are doing that and supporting the baseball club. I own one piece of Expo's Blue Jays apparel, and I may wear it. I'm wearing it now. It's uh, from the Interleague series in 2003. I bought an Interleague T-shirt that has the... Mid two thousands, ugly Blue Jays terrible, logo, like terrible. the Roger Clemens era Jays yeah. logo. Blue Jays have never had a nice uniform ever. They, their disco uniforms that they just brought back are just as bad as the other ones they had during the early two thousands. June twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth, two thousand three at the Sky Dome. Sorry, at Sky Dome. There's no the in Sky Dome. It's no. like share. There's no Sky Dome in Sky Dome anymore either. There's no Sky in Sky Dome. No, you're absolutely right. But uh, no, I'll be. Uh, I will be exposed loud and proud. I'm going to rock my cardigan. I cannot wait to take that out of the cobwebs. <laughs> you know it gets a little humid in Olympic Stadium and warm. You know that, right? Well, yeah, but it's, uh, when's the last time you were in the Olympic Stadium in early April? No. It could still be cold outside, Jay. It could be, yeah. There's concern there might still be snow on the roof. Yeah, it, there's concern there will be a roof. I want to say I saw an impact <laughs> game at the Olympic Stadium sometime around April. 
but I don't remember exactly when it was. Yeah, it was a couple I years saw, back. I saw a springtime. Uh, well, same, and they're they're playing at the Big O this weekend. Yeah, they uh, they open up uh, the the home part of their season this weekend. Yeah, they're playing uh, as long as the snow is off the roof, because that's the rule. Remember all those years ago when there was a car show at the Olympic Stadium, mm-hmm. and the snow was not cleared from the roof, and it fell through the roof. Yes, and luckily it wasn't during the open hours of no, the car show. No, exactly. But there's still, I, I worked at the car show when I was younger. Oh, yeah? At Olympic Stadium, and there are a lot of workers down there, and it was lucky that nobody got hurt. 514-790-1690 is the number if you want to call in and talk with us. We're talking a little Patrick Wall. We're talking a little baseball. And guess what? We have a pair of tickets to give away for the Friday night game. Blue Jays, Mets, Olympic Stadium, and Jay, you're going to sweeten the pot, right? I'm going to sweeten the pot. Included with these tickets are dinner for two at McLean's Pub uh, during the festivities that we will have that day. Pre-game, of course, Jonah Carey will be there live signing his book, along with Ellis Valentine, Cliff Floyd, and who knows what other guests. Wait! It's not over yet, Dave Kaufman. Not only do you get dinner for two. Wait, but there's you, more? There's more. Whoa. You get a couple of seats on the bus, <laughs> the shuttle that will be taking people to the Olympic Stadium for the game, and then right back to McLean's Pub after the game to see who? Anakin Slade, live. Sorry. Anakin Slade's live. 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 Wow. Live. All right. Well, you know what? You've twisted my arm enough. I'll take him. You want- <laughs> Aren't you working? No. <laughs> Do you have tickets? Do you have tickets to the game? By not, any not at the moment. That's no. too bad because I could have given you a couple seats on the bus. I would do that for you, James Foster. Um, would you? I would do that. What, what day is this? It's the twenty eighth. Friday. Friday, the twenty eighth of March. I have already booked the night off, James. Uh, so have I, <laughs> but for different reasons. <laughs> so if anybody, actually, you know what? I'll put it out there. Yeah, I'm in a generous mood. Tonight. Generous Jay. If somebody does Genius want Jimmy, generous Jay. If somebody does want a seat on that bus and you have tickets for the game on Friday night, let me know. Remember, the festivities started around three p.m. and the bus will probably leave at around six p.m. We want to get that people there in time, in time for the Gary Carter tribute. Let me you know. know. I'm I'm going to be that guy at five thirty, being like, Jay, we should go. Jay, we should go. Yeah. Jay, we need to go now. Five. Jay, Jay, we need to go. I'm. You know, Jay, I'm just getting on the metro. Jay's got. Jay's got to work. <laughs> Jay's got to work. But you're coming to the Saturday game. But I am coming to the Saturday game, and I'm going probably to the gala as well. We'll oh, see good. how that works out. Good, anyway, good, good. Maybe I'll report live from the gala. I don't know what's going to work. Anyway, if you want, <laughs> if you want, if you want a seat on that bus, let me know. Maybe hit me up on Twitter at the Ferrar side. There you go. And if Do you that. want to, that's just for the bus, but if you want the tickets plus the dinner and uh, the bus. That you're going to have to earn. Then you've got to call us at 514-790-1690 and our, uh, our best call in the next 15 minutes will win that. At 1230 nice. tonight after your update, Jay, we're going to replay an interview that we did, uh, goodness, a couple of years ago now already. I can't believe how time flies. With Chad Cordero, the chief. The and chief. It was one of my favorite Expos interviews that we've done on the show. And we've spoken to some of the greats, eh? We've spoken to Steve Rogers. We've spoken to Rusty Staub. We've spoken to Delino and Marquise. For some reason, the Chad Cordero interview, we've spoken to Ellis Valentine numerous times, our good friend Ellis Valentine. Sure. But this Cordero interview was something else. It was really special. And uh, we'll we'll set it up in a little bit. Look forward to that. But... Yeah, all, all the memories are just flooding back. Talking between talking expos and Patrick Waugh. This is uh, the most nostalgic Kaufman show slash game night OT we've done in a good long while. Well, it's all relevant, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, hundred percent. And I, like I told you earlier, it's nice for me to talk about something that I actually know about. That's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have to do any cramming before you, the you show. Faked, huh? You faked it well on CJD tonight. Thank my you very much. Yeah, I you appreciate did. You did that. a great job. Thank sir. you. Thank you. We uh, we didn't get to talk about Patrick Waugh, though. We didn't, but uh, we we've done more than enough on this. More side. than enough. I uh, I was happy I got to tell that story about the puck. I thought that was uh, and if you missed that, you can check the podcast of Game Night OT of uh, of how I got Patrick Waugh's autograph twice in six seconds. Uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. Remember when he was out with the uh, with the appendix? Yes, and came back two games later. He would, wouldn't he? It was. That's just the kind of guy he is. I'm telling you. What kind very, of- very competitive, wants to be in the game. He'll never leave this game. He's one of those guys. That's why. And, you know, we were talking, John was talking about earlier that he's riding the buses, even though he owns the Rampart. He that's doesn't right. have to do it. He was on the buses with the team, you know, going on the road trips, you know, you know, just doing all the dirty work because he loves the game. He likes the, he loves being with the players. And that's why you see such respect 
coming from the players. You know that they love their coach. And, and you heard it from uh, from Nathan McKinnon today. Yeah. Talking about how calm and how patient he is. And when he's upset, he speaks to you with respect. And all these things that I think as Habs fans, people were fearful of when Wall was a candidate, supposedly, mm-hmm. to become the next coach slash GM of the team. Well, he's too much of a hothead. He flies off the handle. Only against his enemies. Right. Right. We're, Which we're, is fine with me when it comes down to hockey, right? Of course. We don't care about the Bruins. I know James Foster might. <laughs> we don't care about the Bruins. It's uh, twelve eighteen. This is the Kaufman Show on TSN six ninety. Dave Kaufman, Jay Farrar, James Foster from CJD joining us in studio tonight. We'll be back. Seconds from pajamas, I must first open. Welcome back to the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. Dave Kaufman, Jay Farrar, James Foster joining us in studio tonight. And you are so lucky, boys and girls, that Jay Farrar is here to uh, to rein me in sometimes, to to temper my my emotions. I'm, I'm What happened? Well, if it wasn't for you looking at me like I was crazy, every in and out track tonight would have been Nelly's Hot in here. Every single one. And you know what, James? You're lucky because I almost did it on CJ82. I read that story and I was like, oh, Dave, if we could do this. <laughs> so here's the deal. There's a radio station in San Francisco that has been playing Nelly's Hot in Here on repeat since Thursday night. They're uh, a Latino mix station that is switching to a um, to a hip-hop format. And there's a station in Toronto that did something similar last year. They played Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up for a week. Mm -hmm. A three-minute song over Mm -hmm. and over and over again for a week. Would we be able to check the suicide statistics in both (laughs) towns during that period of time? Well, I'll tell you what. Nelly's Hot in Here has been in my head for since, since Friday now. I've just... Twitter has been all about this. It seems that anybody in the San Francisco neighborhood or San Francisco area has been, um, well privy to this little dance party yeah thanks for injecting it into my cerebellum now too as well Thank i'm you. not gonna lie but i did click on the link for this website it's called uh, 105.7 fm latino mix and uh, it doesn't play in canada and that led to a few a few youtube plays of nelly's hot in here over the last weekend it's I'm latino not mix well it was it's what? about to be a hip-hop okay. yeah they're, re- changing they're rebranding to to uh, whatever hot like, 105.7 yeah. hot 105 so it's supposed to be a hip-hop station yeah and they're still playing i'm still not hearing any hip-hop that's the thing uh a twitter user jeb lund who's a great follow tweeted 24 hours ago i could only remember the chorus of this now i could spit out every lyric while doing a crossword and not miss a thing (laughs) (laughs) it's fantastic i said thursday it's it's been on a loop since 3 p.m friday Wow, I'm I'm very impressed by this. His royalties say, must be going through the roof right now. Well, yeah, three cents times uh, twenty plays an hour times twenty four hours a day for sure. He's making like three bucks off this stuff. This yeah. is huge. 
Yeah, radio is not the way that musicians make their money, that's for sure. Uh, but initially, there was speculation that a DJ had quit or was trying to mess with everybody or that a broadcast had been hijacked. I would hope that people would do a better job of hijacking a broadcast than just playing hot in here. What better way could you ask for, though? That is the best way to hijack a radio station. Is it? To just play the same song over and yes. over and over again? Specifically, Nelly's hot in here. Listen. My mind goes to Empire Records. I feel like they had a whole different way of hijacking a radio station. Yeah, there. we were talking about advertising earlier. This is another piece of brilliant advertising. Oh, you got the people's attention. I would have never heard of that radio station had they not been doing this. I thought would this be an ill-advised, ill <laughs> at the very least, an ill-advised. I mean, that's the kind of look that I gave you, by the way. Is yeah. that really? It, did? That was my ill-advised look. I, and also, I will quit the show. Oh, really? If you do that, really, look. you'll walk over that. I will. Yeah. Okay. I will. I will throw my whole radio career out the window. <laughs> I it's okay, I, I can come by at eleven. Okay, cool. No, Thanks, cool. Cheers. <laughs> okay. Um, all things considered, you didn't complain when I did it a couple of weeks ago with "I Got You, Babe," because I didn't notice. No, you didn't. I You're didn't. kidding. I did, I did notice on the third. I didn't notice okay. on the second. I hope people got what we were trying to do with that. We played uh, every in and out on the uh, after, um, oh, I guess it was, uh, how long ago was it? It was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Yeah. To, to honor Groundhog, well, to honor Ivan Reitman, right? No, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. My God, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Um, Ivan Reitman, of course, is still with us. Harold Ramis, uh, the director of Groundhog Day, and uh, to- to commemorate that, we played I Got You, Babe, which is what Bill Murray woke up to every single morning in Groundhog Day. Without any further ado, let's welcome in Kaufman Show resident comedian. He joins us every Monday night from beautiful, sunny, rainy, windy, snowy Vancouver, British Columbia. Follow him on Twitter at Van Guy. It's Torben Rolfson. Hey, Torben. Dave, Jay, James, how are you guys doing? We're well. How are you? Doing fantastic. Good. What's going on? It's hot in here. Is it? <laughs> Should take off all your clothes. Don't, yeah, Kevin. I was going to say, let's leave out the second part, eh? <laughs> okay. Well, it's been another crazy week in the wacky world of sports. Apparently, hiring Phil Jackson is like choosing a new pope. <laughs> we get an answer when we see smoke signals from his teepee in Montana. Nice. <laughs> He's not even going to be on the East Coast full-time. Nick's management, they're so bad, they prefer the team is run by Phil Jackson Skyping from Malibu. <laughs> I feel like that might work. Yeah, he'll be leading them forward after he's introduced as team president this morning. Uh, future film rights to the saga have been acquired by James Cameron. <laughs> Titanic 2. Jeez. Speaking of the Knicks, a Lego robot set a record by solving Rubik's Cube in 3.5 seconds. That thing's just lucky Carmelo Anthony is focusing on chess. <laughs> hey, will Steve Nash go to the Hall of Fame dressed as a son, Maverick, or that banker guy from Monopoly? Uh, I'm hoping banker guy from Monopoly or Team Canada basketball uniform. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. This is a great time of year. I saw where Fox Sports was referring to March Mayhem in their updates. Did a mental health rights group ask them to change their phrase? <laughs> March Mayhem? March Mayhem, yeah. Wow. Wow. That is just... Uh, I know with Super Bowl, certain people aren't allowed to say it. Like uh, They'll be like, yeah, the big game, but March Mayhem. Oof. March Mayhem. Not so much. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Whedon has signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Some people will do anything to get Final Four tickets. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And Jonathan Martin got traded from the Dolphins to the 49ers. I wonder what pranks they have in store for the new guy. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> the LA Dodgers are reluctantly heading down under to open their season against the Diamondbacks. Carl Crawford got to stay behind as he's an expecting dad. When you still Quig heard that, he immediately announced he was pregnant. <laughs> and did you see where some U.S. senators have asked FIFA to kick Russia out of this year's World Cup in what? Rio? What? No, I haven't seen that. That is true, and Russia politicians uh, responded by asking FIFA to kick the U.S. out of the World Cup. Come on, holding that tournament without the U.S. and Russia would be like the Stanley Cup playoffs without the Sabres and Flames. <laughs> And shares of the LA Galaxy jersey sponsor uh, Herbalife were halted from trading after the FTC reportedly opened an investigation, ironically, right when the team was installing the pyramid offense. Amway <laughs> <laughs> oh, workers of the world unite. On the you know it. <laughs> you probably heard the Canucks team bus broke down Friday in Washington. No worries, though. They traded it for a rickshaw. Nice. 
And Alex Burroughs is suddenly on fire. He scored his uh, first five goals of the season in his last four games. He only needs 87 more to tie Gretzky's single-season record. <laughs> and finally, amazing comeback by the Habs Saturday night. Uh, the Senators with all the closing skill of A.C. Green in a Dubai singles bar. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was worth the devil. That was worth the devil. <laughs> uh, Torben, you mentioned that um, Calgary and Buffalo is your teams that would be uh, that would be missing, right? Yeah, I had to have a quick look. I mean, we've all heard the Sabers are struggling. I had to look for the second team there. Well, I'm just I'm thinking, you know, um, how many Stanley Cups do the Flames have? Uh, I think they've probably got one or two. 1989. 1989 defeated the Montreal Canadiens at the Montreal Forum. The only team not named the Canadians to win a Stanley Cup on Forum Ice, and that's one more than your Canucks. I know. Is that they're the only team ever to win a clinch a Stanley Cup on the Forum Ice? Yeah, outside that's of the Canadians. That's a great trivia uh, it, nugget. It, in Vancouver, maybe. Here, I feel like it's just one that makes people angry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Torben, anything going on this week? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be at a little underground uh, club called Yuck Yucks on Wednesday night. Oh, we, we, even we, all the way in Montreal, have heard of Yuck Yucks. Yes, I know. Awesome. What street is that on? Yeah, it is uh, 12th and Canby, right across from City Hall. Oh, amazing. I uh, would say, uh, I'd pay you lip service and say I'll jump on a plane and come see it, but it just I'm not, we're not there yet. Not yet. <laughs> one day, though, Torben, one day. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate all it, right. Torben. Have a great week, guys. Good night, Montreal. Follow him. It's Torben Rolfson, ladies and gentlemen. Time for an update from Jay Farrar. When we come back, we'll set up our interview with Chad Cordero. You're not going to want to miss it. We could play this all night. That's right, all night. Dave Kaufman hosts The Kaufman Show with Dave Kaufman, but also Jay Farrar. The Kaufman Show, only on TSN 690. All right, we won't torture you too much, but I'm tempted. You have my resignation, sir. Do I? James says he'll do it. His mic's not up, but he says he'll do it. You know, this is, uh, you guys went from both of you picking on me to now I feel like James is slowly turning over to Team Kaufman here. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Jimmy grooving. finds that funny. Yeah. I'm just grooving to the tunes, man. <laughs> to Foster the, needs a job. It's, it's the tune, James. It's one tune. It's hot in here. That's all we're allowed to groove to tonight. But we can turn it down now. I want to uh, just set up, we're going to uh, replay an interview that uh, Jay and I did a little while back with Chad Cordero who was the last closer for the Montreal Expos and really one of the last guys that, that we really gave a damn about. And um, this was Chad's first interview after uh, retiring. He told us that he was mounting a comeback, of which he's still, he's still mounting. He's in the minor leagues right now. He spent last year with AAA. I believe it was uh, with the um, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim's in their, Anaheim in their minor league system. And uh, really just one of the most in-depth fun interviews that we've done and uh do you have anything to add jay yeah i just remember when we were conducting an interview you know you know sometimes he was nervous do you remember that he was nervous but he was so candid yeah and we actually exchanged a few looks while he was speaking that we couldn't believe how truthful and honest and how it was really coming from his heart. And you know what? I respect him for that. My hat's off to him. My straight brimmed That's hat. That's right. I was just going to say, my straight brimmed hat. Absolutely. Uh, once again, Chad the Chief Cordero. You can find him on Twitter. What's uh, Let me look that up. Chad. He is on Twitter at ChadCordero32. So after you listen to the interview tonight, send him a tweet and tell him how much you enjoyed it. 
For Jay Farrar and James Foster, I'm Dave Kaufman. Here's our interview with Chad Cordero. <laughs> Let's bring in our next guest. Very excited. Uh, it's been a long time since uh, his name was repeated on this station, but it was oft repeated in the uh, late summer of 2003 or fall of 2003 and well, all of 2004, and it's a pleasure to welcome back via airwaves to Montreal, Chad the Chief Cordero. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. You're not nervous anymore, are you? Uh, I got a couple uh, butterflies in my stomach, but I think I'm better. Uh, you've pitched in an all-star game. How How is this making you pitched nervous? Pitched in the World Baseball Classic. I, I, I always get nervous about these type, type of things. I don't know what it is about it. I don't know. Well, I uh, I gotta say we were uh, we were the fans that were there every day, and uh, let's treat this no different than us uh, ragging you at the ballpark for your uh, for not bending your cap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, sounds good. Speaking of, wh- why don't you bend your cap? <laughs> um, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was. I think it, I because when I was in high school, I bent it. I bent it a lot, and. Uh, for some reason, when I was in college, I just kind of changed. I think it's because I saw everybody else on on my college team doing it. I thought it was like, gosh, that's like that, that that style looks really cool. So I kind of just just went with it. And then people thought, you know, I, I ironed my bill and stuff, or I put some like some like heavy books on, on it or something to <laughs> flat. But but truth is, it's just that's just how they come straight out of the box. So I just never touched it. Was it comfortable? Oh, I loved it. Okay, because it really See? didn't look it. It looked it looked pretty awkward. No, because see, I have such bushy eyebrows, and like I wanted to hide my eyebrows, <laughs> so that was that was the main reason why, I guess. But no, it was real, it was real, uh, real comfortable. I loved it. Now, Chad, uh, let's uh, let's do a sort of cr- chronologically through your time with the Expos, because uh, right. you sent me a message saying that y- you haven't had much of an opportunity to talk about it, and well, here's a great opportunity. Um, your your debut was in Florida, right, right. after the the famous or infamous however where you want to look at it Philly series in Montreal now had you been called up to the club were you here for the Philly series no I was still in because how, how it happened was I was in Brevard County which was the A-ball team at the time I was playing with them and I was all packed up ready to go because we had just finished our last game so I was packed up ready to go home and stuff and then I got the call into the manager's office saying that I had been called up and so I was like this is awesome you know because I mean I was only like Two, like I think it was like a month and a half out of uh, college. I think it was, you know. So um, I think I just missed. Uh, I just missed that uh, Philadelphia series, and then I just took the. I think it was like a three-hour road trip down to uh, down to Miami, and that's where I made the, de- the my debut. The, the same day I was called up. Okay, so you weren't there the night before either, which was a no. uh, a game where the Expos lost in the bottom of the ninth inning, after uh, yeah. a, a tough, tough, tough loss for the team. Uh, they'd gone into that game with a share of the wild card. What was the clubhouse like walking in that day? Um, it was it was real tense because when when I got called up, um, they were I guess from what from what I had heard and what from from what guys have been telling me, they were expecting um, some reinforcements, you know, guys who had possibly probably had been up, you know, in the past, you know, a few times and they were expecting the kid, you know, fresh out of college to be called up, you know. So it was kinda of tense, you know, um Nobody really, nobody really spoke to me because they were kind of, they were kind of upset at the, at the situation. You know, I think that was a, that was the year. Um, I think it was the year when they said they, were, they weren't. Major League Baseball I told the team that they weren't going to have any call up. Correct. The team was and, waiting for uh, for Termel Sledge to be called up from I think Edmonton, which was the, uh, the uh, Pacific Coast League affiliate at the time. Right. Yeah. So they were, um, you know, so they're they're expecting reinforcement enforcements, and here I am, you know, a kid right out right out of college coming up who had no experience. You know, only had I think it was like 19 games in the minor league, and I'm I'm supposed to be the one who's coming up to possibly try and help them. You know, get that get that wild card berth and stuff. And so nobody really talked to me for the first two weeks, and then after those first two weeks, I I think I hadn't given up a run yet. So guys started warming up to me, and I mean, and plus I kind of kept to my kept to myself. You know, I didn't I didn't really talk to the guy to the guys until unless I was spoken to. You know, because that's kind of what I what I had heard when I was getting called up was. You know, um, we you know respect the guys. You know, a lot of them might might be upset because, you know, you're such a young kid. You know, and then in the wild card hunt, uh, just kind of keep to yourself. You know, don't don't really say much and and um, only speak when the, when spoken to. And that's that's exactly what I did. So they kind of started warming up to me. But uh, um, after that, you know, I just kind of just kept to myself, kept quiet. You know, did, went out there, did my job, worked hard at it, and 
I think they they started to to, to have have some respect respect for myself because you know um, I wasn't there you know wasn't up there saying oh you know I should have been up there earlier or anything like that. I just kind of was like hey you know I was um, you know I just was there I and mean, I was ready to go home and you know the team had just called me up to to, to come help. So I just you know I just kept kept to myself. It's uh, it's unbelievable to think of you being iced out by by your teammates. Was it the same as? What, did you get the same reaction from management, Chet? Um, no, I mean the management was really good. You know, um, Frank, Frank was, uh, you know, Frank talked to me all the time. There, I mean, there was there was a couple guys like Jamie Carroll. I mean, he he kind of took me under his wing. You know, um, he helped me out a whole lot. I mean, there, so not all the guys were were um, were like that. I mean, they were, they were all real respectful and real nice. So they were just kind of upset because they were expecting, you know. Someone, someone with uh, major league experience to come up, you know. So I mean, they were really nice. They were still really nice to me and stuff. They said hi, you know. But that, but that was basically it. You <laughs> that know? that but, was um, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I mean, there were, there were, but I mean, there were still, you know, there was, there was a couple guys who, uh, who talked to me on a re- on a regular basis. Like, Jay, like I said, Jamie Carroll was one of them. Todd Zeal, was another one. Um, so there's a and Joey Ashen was another one. So I mean, there was a still, there was a couple guys who you know who spoke to me and. You know, but for the most part, they were they were all real nice. You know, they were they were just expecting you know someone else to be called up. Did you know uh, by the end of the '03 season that your spot was secure for '04? No, I was uh, I was shoot, going to show, going into uh, spring training. I was nervous. I mean, it was my first spring training. You know, um, I didn't I didn't know what to expect, and I was kind of like just hearing hearing horror stories about you know guys getting sent down on, on the last day or. You know, getting get an apartment, you know, up in the up in Montreal, and then learning that they were getting sent down and having to find, figure out what they're going to do with that apartment. So I was kind of nervous. So I just kind of waited till the last day to, to to figure out what I was going to do, and end up just uh, kind of staying with uh, Jamie Carroll for the whole the whole year because I shoot, I I didn't I didn't want to make plans and and have them, you know, have something you know have something happen. But I mean, I had no idea that I, that I was you know, secure, had a, had a spot already. I mean, I thought maybe, you know, go down, go back to triple A or double A, you know, get some more seasoning in, get, build my arm back up a little bit more and, and do that. You know, I was, I wasn't at all expecting to make it out of spring training. Instead, you're basically anointed the setup man after spring training uh, for <laughs> Rocky Biddle. And uh, right. things go pretty smoothly for you until May when uh, you're given a chance to close. Yeah, I mean, I mean that 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 was another thing that was that I wasn't expecting because we had we had Luis Ayala on the team at the time, and you know, and I think everybody was kind of thinking that if Frank did replace Rocky, it was gonna be it was gonna be with Luis, you know, and um, you know, and here I am, you know, get, getting that opportunity to close, and I just kind of took it and ran ran with it, you know, I was I was I was used to that spot, you know, I didn't treat it any differently than I, than I did. You know, in the seventh inning, seventh or eighth innings, when I, when I came in, I just went out there, tried to do the job the best the best that I could, and hopefully, you know, just try to just try not to uh, disappoint Frank. With less nerves than when you're on the radio, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is mind blowing for me, man. I, I cannot believe that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the hat kind of helped out a little bit because it kind of <laughs> made me look intimidating, you know. But <laughs> next red, I was just I was just hiding my you know, how much I was shaking back underneath that cap. Now, Chad, I have to ask. Uh, out of full disclosure, I have a a theory which I've uh, I have written down and had published about how you became the closer of the Montreal uh-huh. Expos, and uh, it involves my friend Max Harris, who used to be a co-host okay. on my baseball show on the station, who asked Frank Robinson at an Expos fan day why you weren't closing, and the next mm-hmm. day you had your first save. Does this story hold any water for you? Do you think it's possible that a fifteen-year-old was? Uh, co-managing the Montreal Expos and managed to get into <laughs> it, Frank Robinson's mind and help I mean, him change it, it? It's possible. I mean, it's, it, he, it could have been where, you know, Frank was, was kind of hearing that question a lot maybe, you know, and then, and then Max probably came in and he was probably the one who kind of, you know, tipped him over, you know, in, into, into that kind of thinking, you know, but I, I mean, I really have no idea. I was just kind of, you know, I just came to the ballpark like it, like it, like, like it was any other day. And Frank called me in the office to tell me I was closing and, I was kind of in shock, you know. I mean, I was I wasn't expecting it, you know. I was like I said, I was expecting it to go to Luis, you know. And so, I mean, who knows? I mean, that's that's possible. I mean, Frank was kind of, you know, he was a different thinker, you know. So, I mean, he he, I mean, for the most part, you know, he wasn't really open to suggestions like like, like that. But, you know, I, I think we were kind of struggling at that time. So, who knows? He he's probably probably open hoping for anything. Now, uh, 
I've said it to you before, but uh, I'll throw it out there on the radio. You were one of the few bright spots to watch in that 04 season. It was very difficult to drag my ass to the ballpark every day. Right. And you were one of the few. And you know what? And Jamie Carroll was another. And I, I think Brad it's really Wilkerson. cool. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I, I think it's especially cool, Jay, that, that Chad lived with Jamie and that Jamie sort of kept him under his wing in his, in his rookie year in Montreal. I think that's very neat. Yeah. And uh and how awesome is it that he's still in baseball and uh and still kicking butt? Yeah, actually I, I remember when I was you know, when he was with us in D C after that after our first year in D C in oh five, our GM said that because he, he trade he traded away Jamie Carroll and he said it's because he didn't think Jamie could play anymore. And, you know, here it is, I said, what, seven years later and Jamie Jamie has ten years in the big leagues, I think it is now. Yeah. You know, and, and he's I mean, he's he's a valuable part of, of the of every team that he's ever been on, you know. I mean, he, shoot, he plays. I think for us, he played. He played second, short, third. I think he played left field for us a couple times, and he was even willing to catch. So he, I mean, guys are like guys like that are rare, you know. And he and he's good at at any spot that that you put him in. You know, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that, he, that he's smaller than most guys. You know, he's just going to go out there work work harder than the other guy and. And you know it's it's paid off for him, and I'm I'm really happy for him. I mean, I you know I I'm glad I was able to kind of to get to know him, and and for and to have him kind of show me the ropes, you know. And uh, you know, for I'm 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 thankful, grateful for, for to him for for doing that for me, you know. And I'm I'm really happy for him, you know, to be able to to play as long as he has. Chad, you uh, I know I told you we'd be on 15 minutes. You mind if we keep going? I'm having too much fun to stop. Yeah, no problem. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Uh, the <laughs> one sad part of this conversation. Tell me about being around for the last days of the Expos. It was, you know, it w- it was hard. You know, that that last game in Montreal. I mean, I was only there for just over a year, but I love that city. You know, I mean, it was. I I honestly think, and a lot of guys think this. It, w- it was probably the best best city to go and play in. You know, I mean, I know visiting teams love going there. I know. Um, I know all the Expos players, they love that city, you know, and, and for us to have to move, you know, and relocate, you know, it was, a, it was a tough thing to handle, you know, cause we weren't sure what we were, what we were, what we were doing. We didn't, you know, I remember when I first signed, I think that was still a time when they were thinking about, um, contracting the team, you know, so, um, it, it was tough, you know, and then having that last game in Montreal, you know, having to have to have to have the game stopped a couple of times because fans were starting to throw golf balls on the field, you know, that was, that was a tough thing to, to to see, and then to have to have the threat of poss- of us possibly having to, you know, forfeit the game because of it. That that was even worse. It was mind blowing, and uh, you know, talk about a few bad apples spoiling the bunch. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, it's sad because you know, yeah, we you know we didn't have a whole lot of fans that went to the field and went to the games and stuff, but the fans that we had go, they were diehard fans. Well, I mean, I used to see. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's true because I mean, I used to see. Even when we moved down to D.C., I used to see the same father and son that I used to see sitting behind uh, our dugout go down to spring training every year. And he, I remember, uh, I, I never caught their names, but I remember, I've never seen them every game in, in Montreal and then and, and then seeing them in, in spring training in, in, in Melbourne when we, were, when we became the Nationals. was That was pretty cool. And I remember Claude Ramon, he, he used to come down all the time with us and come to the, club, the clubhouse. So... I mean, just the, the fans, they were great. You know, it's just unfortunate, you know, there there wasn't a whole lot, you know. Um, but um, I thought the fans, the fans that came, they they knew baseball. They loved it. You know, they wanted to be there, you know, and they, they, they wanted the team left in Montreal. And it's just unfortunate that we had to move. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, any time, you know, you lose a team, you know, or lose anything that's, that's special to you is, you know, it, it's 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 hard to deal with. You know, especially you know, Montreal. I mean, it was like I said, it was the greatest city to to, to play in. I loved it there. But that being said, we're on quite the high heading into Washington, and uh, ended up being an All Star, their Player of the Year, and uh, leading the league in saves. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it wasn't that, all bad that, for you, Chad. <laughs> no, not at all. I wish I could have done it in Montreal too. But I mean, having to uh, have being an All Star and and being able to re- represent my team, you know, that's uh, that's a special thing. And I, I was lucky to be able to, to make it to one. You know, I wish I could have made it to more, you know. But being able to make it to one and actually having pitched in an All-Star game is, you know, that's a pretty cool thing. That's something I could, you know, could tell my kids when they're older. 
And the uh, the first half of that season must have been just so exciting with the with the Nats in the pennant race. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because we were we were the we were the surprise of, of baseball. You know, nobody was expecting us, you know, to really do much because coming off of that that year in Montreal, I think we only won like I think it was like sixty four games. You know, we weren't really expected to do much. You know, and here we are. I think at the All Star break, we were we were fifty one and thirty one. I think it was or something. Or at, at the halfway point, we were fifty one and thirty one. And leading, I think we were leading the uh, the Braves by like eight or nine games at the break. I think it was, you know. And so it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, the, the fans down there were great. I mean, they, they were really into the they were really into the team. They supported us really well. Um, it's kind of dropped off, I guess, um, the fans a little bit down there, but um, they're still doing pretty good. But I mean, that first that first year was, um, I mean, it, it was magical, you know. So and then um, I, I I enjoyed myself down there for sure. I would, I would imagine. I know when we had Zach Day on, one of the things he talked about was meeting the president. Yeah, that was that yeah, something I mean, that was thrilling for you, or? Uh... Yeah, I mean, because like you know, every every day it seemed like you're you're meeting someone new. I remember I'm, George Bush. I mean, he he threw out the, the first pitch a couple times. Um, the the, th- the four years I was I was in D.C., but we also go we got to go to the Pentagon. Um, we got to go to um, the White House and meet the and. Um, I got to meet the ambassador of Japan, who was a diehard baseball fan. I think hmm. he's the uh, commissioner of the uh, Japanese baseball league now. So oh, wow. I mean, you just you just get to meet a whole lot of people that, I mean, for for me, I never thought I would ever be able to meet. And just you know, I was real lucky. You know, baseball's kind of opened up a lot of doors for me. Now, uh, how long did you pitch before you tore your labrum? Um, I had um, five, five years. I had five years in the big leagues now, um, and then. Um, so, you know, just kind of a random thing. You know, I remember it was the first game of the year in 08, and we were in batting practice, and I, and all, I was just playing catch, and all of a sudden I felt this sharp pain run down from the shoulder to my elbow, and I didn't know what it was, you know. So um, I think what I think what happened was just all that wear and tear. I think I might have come up a little bit too quick, you know, out of college and stuff because I'm not – I mean, in college you're only throwing like 40 games a year, and in the big leagues, I, I mean, I was throwing – close to 80 games a year, a year and and warming up every day every almost seemed like every every day of you know of the season and stuff um so i just you know i, I don't think my, my arm might not have been ready at the time but you know i was you know I, I didn't know that you know i was just i was excited to be in the big leagues and stuff so i, I think that might have had to do do uh had a little bit to do with it but um i think for the most part just you know i just wasn't you know um, I think I just was throwing a, a whole lot, you know, just, just just wasn't used to it. Well, as we know, it's one of the most difficult injuries to come back from. And, uh, in fact, the poster boy for a little while was Rocky Biddle as the successful right. example of somebody coming back from that injury. Yeah. Uh, but it's not yeah. it, it's not usually long-term. It's gotten better now, but uh, it must be a very difficult feeling to to know that one simple game of catch and, boom, there it goes. Yeah, I mean, because like the, sh- the shoulder surgery, I mean, it's it's the hardest thing to come back for, just to get to come back from, just like you were saying, you know. Um, Tommy John it used to be everybody everybody dreaded Tommy John, but now you you have Tommy John and you come you come back to win harder now, and then and now it's, it's the shoulder, you know. It's it's like you said, it's gotten it's gotten a lot better, you know. Um, but right now, I th- I think it's like a sixty percent chance that that you won't come back. And right as of right now, I'm I'm part of that sixty percent. So hopefully, you know, I c- I can take this year off, you know, build up my arm strength a little bit more and 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 hopefully make a comeback next year. Oh, look, you know what, Chad? I honestly didn't know that that was your intention. I thought that when you'd retired, <laughs> you'd retired. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I mean, I, I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I mean, I'm, I've already started playing catch. I'm coaching a high school team right now. So it, that, that, that allows me to, uh, to work out with the kids, you know, play catch with the kids. I'll, I'll start throwing bullpens probably late this summer. And stuff because I, I want to come back. You know, I mean, when I when I retired last year, I was kind of, you know, I I had a bunch of stuff on my mind. I mean, I was dealing I was dealing with the loss of my daughter just a couple months before that and stuff. So I think that that had a lot to do with it. And I was missing my family. So and 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 plus, you know, that plus the fact that I wasn't doing very well. And I just thought, you know what, I just need to take a year and a half off, be with, be with my wife and kids, and and get my head straight and. And give my mom um, some more time to to uh, to heal. That sounds uh, like a very good plan, Chad. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know I've I've loved I've loved my time off. You know, um, I'm getting the itch to, to to go back. I mean, I I listen to to uh, to, to the uh, MLB Network like all the time, 
and stuff, you know, and, you know, I'm on my way to, uh, to work and, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting that itch to want to go back, to go, to go back. But as of right now, I you know I just want to be home with my kids for, and my wife for, for, for a year and just kind of enjoy that. And right now I'm, I'm loving it. Chad, uh, we wish you the best of luck. You still have many, many fans up in Montreal and all throughout Canada. And, uh, Thank we'll you. always remember you as one of the brighter spots at the, uh, at the end of it all for the Montreal Expos. And uh, hopefully we can be in touch. If you're uh, watching so much MLB Network, we might lean on you for some analysis during the season, Chief. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right, no problem. Have a great one. There he goes, Chad Cordero. Time for some Plaskett. Listen up, kid. Now what you think Stayed out too late Had a little too much to drink Walk home, cross the bridge When the marquee shut down There's a reason that I love this town Nobody cares how much money you have If you've got enough to get in a cab There'll be drinks on the house If your house burns down There's a reason that I love this town I saw your band In the early days We all Shot the shit with miniature Tim. If he needs a tune, then I'll write one for him. We like the same books and we like the same sounds. There's a reason that I love this town. I played a show in Kelowna last year. Said, Pick it up, Joel. We're dying in here. Picture one hand clapping, then picture half that sound. There's a reason that I hate that town. If you saw my band in the early days, then you Face down in our suit, some French restaurant. I saw Riviere de Lou last night at the tour. We burnt the place to the ground. There's a reason that I love this town. There's a reason that I love this town. There's a reason that I love this town. You've been listening to The Kaufman Show on TSN 690. On behalf of Jay Farrar, I'm Dave Kaufman, and we'll uh, see you next week, Travis. I don't know. What'd that sound like?